great song to think of, The Great I Am, a passage in this very book that we have been studying through, uh, the book of Exodus, uh, just about God and how He is whatever we need at the time that we need Him. He is, I am, fill in the blank. And that is an awesome, awesome reminder uh, today. I am what? What are you? I am a lot of things. Uh, you might know me as a pastor. I am a father. I am a, I am a husband. I am those things. I'm also a baseball fan. I enjoy watching baseball. In fact, Josh and I have a, just, just he and I, just a, a family a goal to, before he graduates, to visit as many professional Major League Baseball parks as possible. Uh, and so far, we're up to six. Uh, this past summer, we hit our sixth mark by making it to Yankee Stadium together whenever they were playing the Red Sox. Uh, that was an exciting game. I'm, we're Red Sox fans, and to be able to see in Yankee Stadium. We haven't made it to Mecca, Fenway Park yet, but we will one day. Uh, but anyway, as of right now, we're on, we're on six, but... It was interesting when I got off the plane and got to the car rental a- agent to get the car to, to, to make it around the town and uh, that the agent said, you need to go to the back of the line because I was wearing a Red Sox jersey. And uh, he said it kind of tongue-in-cheek. I stayed where I was. He did give me a car. I had money, though. So uh, anyway, so that was one experience. But then in the same day, probably 30 minutes later, another guy said to us, a New Yorker said, he said, um, you're going to the game tonight. I obviously I suspect that. He said, let me give you some personal advice. Just being a lifetime New, York, New Yorker, you probably don't want to wear that shirt on the subway. He said, especially if the Red Sox win. And especially don't stay till the end of the game and ride the subway home after all the Yankee fans have had a little extra to drink. He said, because, he said, he warned me, he was very serious about it. He said, you'll get stabbed. He says, it's happened before. And he said, so just, just be ready for it. Well, we did, the Yankees won, so it didn't matter. And also, uh, we didn't ride the subway. So that, the, the point being, though, I was wearing a name that brought evidently, not to me, I have a Yankees hat, I, I collect baseball stuff all from whatever team, again, I like baseball, so, you know, but there's something about wearing a name that kind of repels you or compels you, it depends on, again, your angle, and we're talking about the name of God today, if you've been following along, going with us through these, the study, the third commandment really challenges us that we wouldn't, shouldn't take God's name in vain. And it's important to understand and fully unpack that. God is protecting himself, much like a product would protect its, its brand, its, its, its character, its integrity. So God is protecting his name, his character, his integrity, so that we, you and I, his creation, don't carry his name wrongly and defiantly face His name and defame His name and drag His name wrongly through this life all along wearing the banner Jesus across our shirt, across our life and taking His name in vain. So let's, let's remember it in context. So let's look at Exodus chapter 20 and follow along as I read verse 1 and following. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt Out of the house of slavery, here's the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. 
Second commandment, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything. So again, don't get hung up on that carved image. It's much greater expanse, and we talked about that last week, but it's any likeness of anything from heaven above to the earth beneath so that it is, uh, uh, or that is under the, under the water. So basically, anything in space, any time that cons- anything that consists in time, nothing is to become your substitute, stand-in, addendum kind of God. You should not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Just meditate on that one for a while. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children, on their third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Again, commandments come out of our birth, out of, and are manifested in a love relationship. Again, I mentioned that last week, but I've got to emphasize it again this week. God, This is not God's ten moves to wreck your life, to steal the joy out of your life. It's actually to maximize your life so that you ex- experience and live in the fullness of life. And He does that out of a love relationship, and so therefore we should obey Him, reciprocate that out of a love relationship, not out of, out of God's ten to-do list. Okay. So verse 7, here's where we're at today. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Very clear warning there. Warn, don't, we don't know how he's going to hold us accountable, but if we take the name of God, we've got to realize we cannot take it in vain. He will. There is an accountability process that God has in place uh, if we do that. All right, so let's, let's just hit real quickly, review them real quickly. The, ten, the first three commandments, you say them with me out loud. Commandment number one is that you shall have no other gods before me. And again, I've said all along, there's a rhythm, there's a rhyme, there's a reason, there's a sequence in these commandments. I believe at least in the four, first four commandments, if not all of them. But as you look at this, understand that first place number one, first move number one, before you do anything else in life, get an education, find a mate, get a job, whatever, whatever, you need to figure out who your God is. Because who your God is is the first way marker you put in the ground, you stake in the ground, and everything in life pivots around who your God is. If you don't establish who your God is, everything else is, is just, just trying to figure it out, and it's just by chance if it makes sense at the end. All right? Number two, the second commandment. Say it with me. You shall not make for yourself a graven image. Make for yourself. All right, this is where it becomes this self-centered kind of world out there where I'm making something for me because I want something for me and this becomes kind of the addendum God, okay? Again, it's not just some carved out, something out of gold, something like that, something melted into some kind of mold, but it's anything between the depth of the water and the, and the space of heaven above, anything in there shall not, should not step into place be a substitute, become an addendum to my life and my loyalty to God. 
All right? Again, in order. These are sequential here. So as you're, as you're sorting this out, then you've got to ask yourself, have I allowed anything, and we talked about it last week, anything to become a substitute, a stand-in, a shadow, um, even a synthetic creation of my own that has become a God in my life? Again, we talked about cell phones, we talked about homes, big, small, all, all points in between, your career, all that kind of stuff can kind of become the focus of our life. We live every day on the job, we live every day going to school, raising kids, whatever, and that can become a God to us. Be careful that it doesn't, okay? And then, so we go to the third one, because the, the first two tells us not only who to, li- uh, who to worship and but how to worship, but this one also tells us, this tells us how to walk. So now you've established who your God is. Now you've cleared away the clutter of the confusions and the substitutes and the shadows. Now walk with God. Now take on the name of God. And don't take it in vain. So let's say it together out loud. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, again, my simpleton mind, I kind of have always kind of taken taking the name of God in vain in one one direction, okay? One idea of that, but there's much more to it than that, than taking God's name in vain. Again, you've got to realize we're talking to people who are supposed to be loyal followers of God with no little idols in their life if we're going at this in a sequence. So once we cleared up the clutter, once we got all this, then we're taking on this kind of loyalty, this kind of name, this kind of brand, if you will, and we are not going to let that become a distorted brand or distorted loyalty to the God of the universe. Adrian Rogers said it like this, the best argument for Christianity and the best argument against Christianity is the life of a Christian. I think we need to look deeply into our life and say, I may be professing Christ, but am I possessing Christ? With my lips, I'm following Jesus, but with my life, I'm following my idols. With my life, I'm following my own ambitions. Okay, making sure that there's alignment is extremely important. So let's talk about, real quickly, the negative. The two common, I think the most common ways, there's probably three or four others, but two most common ways we can take his name in vain. And the first one probably is the very first thing that came to your mind, the vulgarity way. Where we just use his name in a GD kind of way, kind of uh, a cussing fit, if you will, and talking like a sailor or whatever. Now listen, I'm going to just say this. I can handle a few dams and hells in my life, okay? I have no problem with that. My, my virgin ears have heard those things. My lips have probably uttered, uh, have uttered them, okay? So I, I've said those things. I've, I've thought those things. I've heard those things. But I'll tell you, there is few things that get under my skin that I hear in this world than whenever somebody drops a GD bomb out there uh, or somebody takes Jesus Christ's name and, in some kind of way. Now, I don't get mad and combative. More than anything, I used to get that way. More than anything, I actually get sad. I actually, when I hear somebody do that, I think, they don't know the God I know. Because the God I know, he's not, he's not worthy of damning. He's not worthy of dragging through the mud. He's not worthy of blaming for my mistakes. He's not worthy of that. All right? And, and I, just, I feel sorry for them. 
I, I feel like, what can I do to help them? I don't feel anger and resentment. I want to fight you. I feel like more, how can I help you? Because there's the reality that what we do say does matter to God. Matthew 12, 36 says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word, even down to the words that we speak. So it does matter what we say. All right, number two, the second more common way that we can drag God's name through the mud and muck and profane it and bring uh, blasphemy to it is that you can, you, can, you can be void with God's name. And you have God's, you say you have God's name. Again, it's that whole, I profess Him, but I don't possess Him. I, I talk about Him. He's on my lips, but He's not in my life. You know, there's a disconnect there. And when you have that, then there's a real problem because you don't have the Christianity, you don't have the relationship with God that the Bible really speaks to. I think you and I both know the value of a life well lived, that if I say I'm this, then really does my life add up to that? Because, again, we can talk all day long, but what people are looking at is our life and how well that lines up. You may have heard these statistics before. What you say only accounts for 7% of what people remember. 38% is through your tone of voice. But your body language, 55%. People are going to lock in on not what you said, not the verses you quoted, not the, the, the professions that you've made, but the life that you live. And so, now take that, just take that right there. And, and, then, and then line it up. Why is it so important that we not take His name in a voidful, meaningless, kind of hypocritical kind of way? Is because God knows when He was writing these commandments, is one of the three times that God writes in Scripture, is when He gave the commandments. And as you think about that, He is really trying to make it clear that, listen, if you take on my name, if you carry my name, if you profess my name, and you go out and you live like the devil, you act like the devil, then you are literally hurting my cause. You are literally defaming my holiness and who I am. And there's something not right if we call Him our God. We don't have any other idols in our life. But yet, we're not carrying Him, honoring Him with our lives. It's a real tremendous disconnect. And it causes, each one of these commandments, if you've noticed, they're getting a little bit more personal, a little bit more private, a little bit more in your secret places of your own life. And this one comes down to where and who you are. Where are you? And really, who are you? Who are you? Or maybe I should say, whose are you? One of the key phrases there in verse 7, when he says, the Lord your God. Don't take the name of the Lord your God. Very key order and sequence even in that simple statement. We might call Him our God, but if He's not our Lord, if He's not shaping the way we live, He's not affecting us, He's not our boss, He's not our owner, He's not calling the shots, again, disconnect. You can call Him God all day long, but He is the Lord your God. He's the Lord your God. I hope, I hope you can, can really profess it and possess it, and it really makes a difference in your life because from the time of Moses, and I will say even before the time of Moses, but we'll just start here because that's where we're at. 
all the way to Jesus, and I'll say even all the way to today, we have struggled with this disconnect. What we say and how we live, how we carry the name into this world, there's been a tremendous disconnect. Even Jesus said it like this, on that day, speaking of the end of all time, many, not, not, not a few, not a handful, not a smidgen, not a pinch, but many, maybe most, I don't know, will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did not prophesy, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? Notice all the times it says your name, your name, your name. And do many mighty works in your name. We went on mission trips in your name. We gave money in your name. We attended Grace Point Church in your name. We taught Sunday school in your name. That's all my additions there. But you, you get the point. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Why? Why would God be so cut and dry, so lying in the sand, so separation here? Why? 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 Think about it for a moment. It's not what you say with your lips. It's how you live it in your life. It's not your profession. It's your possession. And how well does it really affect and change your life? He says, They're living, you're living like lawless individuals. What's the law? God's commandments, God's directions, God's precepts, God's principles. You're living your own life, but yet you're calling on my name. You're professing with your lips. What God wants is He wants all. All in your life, your lips, your dreams, and so forth. So let's, let's turn. Let's turn to a more, I guess, positive approach, if you will. Let's not talk about how, you know, how we're going to continue to profane His name and uh, and, and bring vanity to his name. But let's talk about the proper way to bring honor and proper way to live out his name in our life. First way is to say his name. Now, I'm not saying just say it, Jesus, God. I'm not just saying say it. I'm saying from the depths of your being, be in this conversation with God and understanding God and, and saying it in this kind of way that I know God and he knows me. Put it like this. You want to meet with the CEO of your company? Could you drop your name and get into the front door? You want to meet with some bigwig, some superstar? Could you drop your name? See, I want us to be in a relationship with God that God knows our name. We know God's name. And, of course, God knows everything. I understand that. But, I mean, there's this intimate relationship. And we understand the full manifest value of His name. We understand the power of His name. His name is powerful. It's able to save us. Call on His name. Know His name in a powerful way. I realize some in this room today, they've never, you've never called on the name of God. You don't know the saving, transforming, powerful way of God's name. You've got to know it. You've got to know it in an intimate, personal way. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If you're looking for an alternative plan, a plan B, another option, forget it. If you want to be in a relationship with God Almighty, you want to be saved, there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Know the power of His name. But also know the beauty of His name. One of the beautiful parts of His name and this is just one. It's that confession of Him. It's living that baptized life. And you think, oh, that's a one-time event. Maybe it is. 
But really what it is, it's a, it's a statement like me putting on this wedding ring. I put this wedding ring on 22 years ago, December 29th. All right? But I profess him every day. Uh, not him. I profess her every day. All right? And so I, when, I, when I am baptized, it is that glorious, beautiful moment of, 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 of salvation that I'm looking at. I'm not, it's not saved through that. I'm only saved through the name of Jesus. We talked about that. But this is that moment that I am remembering back, looking back on. That's why it's so beautiful. Well, we're supposed to be baptized in His name. In, in, in the Great Commission, it says, Matthew 28, 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, why all three? Because it was a work of all three that brought you to the point of this redemptive work of God. God the Father sent God the Son. God the Son redeemed man and sent God, God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit nudged you, pricked you, pulled you, called you, initiated a relationship with you so that you could be in this beautiful relationship with God. So it is this, this coming together moment. Now that's why we celebrate and we try to celebrate as big as we can. March 24th, I believe it is, will be our next baptism. If you haven't ever made that profession of what's really happening inside of you, then you need to mark that date down and be a part of that. All right, number three, impactful. When you're saying His name, realizing the power, the beauty, the impact of His name, that you can say His name, speak His name, be in alignment with His name, and things happen in your life and other people's lives. Things change. Take John chapter 14, verse 4. If you ask me anything in my name, that means in alignment with my character, in alignment with my values, in alignment with who I am, in alignment with my will, in my name, what does he say? I will do it. When you're in alignment with me, when we're in alignment with each other, there's power in His name. It will impact the world. It is a beautiful thing. Think, whoa, Mike, I have prayed for many things and not got them. I understand. But let me say also this. God answers every prayer. Every prayer you pray, every prayer I pray, God answers it. It may not be the answer you wanted, but it also is that a part of that alignment that begins to take place in us. Take, for example, if I pray and if my request is wrong, God says no. Like a loving father, caring and compassionate, because he knows, he sees it all. He knows the beginning and the end, the end and the beginning, all points in between. And he's like a loving father just trying to prevent me from wrecking my life even further. He says no. If it's my timing is wrong, maybe I want it now, 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 and God just says slow down. Slow down, Mike. It may take three years for this. My character maybe isn't in line. Uh, there's some checks in my spirit. Maybe things aren't uh, everything they ought to be in the other side of the, of the request. There's so many things that have to be aligned and in order for it to be right. But also, there are times that I pray, and if I say something and I am wrong with my request, God says grow. You know, again, a chink in my character. God will say no. He will say slow down your jets. He will say grow up and then maybe I can honor that. But when my request, my timing, and I am right, God says go. Go for it. When everything's in the line, 
I'm in His will. My character's in order. My request is in order. God says go. He affirms. He, he acts. He encourages. It, it's a part of the process. See, let me just lock in on this next statement. Relationship over religion. People who've taken the Ten Commandments and made them religion, they've made it a do, to-do list with God. Chunk it. It's a relationship. That I'm in a relationship with God, and as I'm in this relationship, He's looking out for me, He's looking out for His kingdom, He's looking out for the big picture, He's looking out, and it's in this prayer uh, symbiotic relationship that happens here that it becomes, I understand it. And His name is powerful. And I want to say it. And I want to live in this relationship with Him. Number two, wear His name. Wear it. Names are powerful. If you go home or you talk to somebody today and they tell you you're acting like Judas Iscariot, don't take it as a compliment. He was a disciple, I know it, but he also was a traitor. If they called you Benedict Arnold, all right, that's not, even though he went to West Point, it's a great guy, I'm sure, in his own time, fought in the Revolutionary War, he's also a traitor. What do, we call, what do we call a statesman? We call people like Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. If somebody calls you an honest Abe, then take it as a compliment. Names carry with them certain levels of, of, uh, of character and integrity. That's why God doesn't want us to take His name in vain. Don't take it, don't wear it into this world, and then defame it, drag it through the mud, call yourself a Christian, and yet you are not living like one. Here's a verse for us all to memorize this week, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Young Timothy's being taught by Paul. He says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Would you read that with me out loud? Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Don't let it be in your life. If God's showing you a chink in your armor right now, a flaw in your character right now, put it out right now. You go to school on the job, there's no disconnect between here on Sunday and there on Monday, I promise you. If there is, we're defaming His name. We need to take His name in a holy, righteous kind of way. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Colossians says, do it all in the name, in the name of the Lord Jesus. It means if I'm coaching, if I'm teaching, if I'm businessing, if I'm, if I'm in school, if I'm, if I'm whatever, I'm, if I'm pastoring, if I'm being a father, if I'm being a mother, if I'm whatever I'm doing, I need to do it wearing the name of of God. Now, a few years ago, about eight or nine years ago, I started something with our kids almost in a form of a joke. Um, and it's kind of latched on. And it's taking its own life. Our kids, we'd drop them off at the mall. They'd be with their friends. I'd jokingly say, remember you're a McDaniel. Now, what does that mean with it? It's not like, it, remember you're a Rockefeller. Uh, or remember you're uh, Abraham Lincoln or anything like that. But I just started that kind of in a, in, in, a, in a joking manner. And then they go on a date. I'd say, remember you're a McDaniel. And, uh, and so, because the McDaniel name's not been the perfect name throughout the world, and I'm still not perfecting it even in my own life. But our kids locked on to it. And it wasn't but a year or so later that they started saying it back to us. 
And then even some of the older ones would say, there were times when they were thinking about a temptation, and it was like this, remember you're a McDaniel, kind of came to their mind. And you know, what I, what I want my kids to go out into this world is I want them to take the McDaniel name and it to become a legendary good name. Well, so does God. If you're going to take on His name, take it well. Wear it well. In fact, may you wear it so well, nobody even questions. If you're in a restaurant dealing with a late cold food, or if you missed a flight and you're dealing with a flight attendant, or, or, or you got stresses on the job, or you got stresses on the soccer team with soccer moms or soccer dads, and you're dealing with that, may the world never question who you are. In fact, mate, as, as you think back to the term Christian, you've got to remember back to Acts whenever in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now, it wasn't a marketing firm, Antioch marketing firm, that sat together and said one day, hey, we've got to come up with a name. We've got to come up with a brand. We've got to get a logo. Okay, it's going to be a cross or a fish. What do you want it to be? You know, we're going to have this little name, and, and you're going to go out in this world, and you're going to call yourself a Christian. It was the pagan, unbelieving world that looked at these people that looked a whole lot like Jesus, and they said, you're a Christian. So may the world look at you and me and say, we are so wearing God in our life that they declare who we are. Wear His name, say His name. Number three, share His name. His name's powerful, life-transforming, life-giving. The Bible calls us ambassadors. Now, if you're an ambassador... You don't represent yourself. You represent somebody else. We are Christ ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. Think about that for a moment. Jesus isn't walking planet Earth right now. You and I both know that. A few years ago, He ascended into heaven to prepare a place for us. It's going to be an awesome place. It took Him seven days to make heaven. It's taken Him 2,000 years to make, excuse me, seven days to make Earth. 2,000 years to make heaven. It's going to be a pretty cool place. But what he did is he left you and I, he left the church, he left followers of him to go on, carry out his name to the nations, to the peoples of the world, making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. What an amazing responsibility we carry. Come back to God as God's partners. We carry his name as we go into this world. I love it that our church gets a lot of this. We talk about missions a lot. We talk about going around the world a lot. It's not just because we like to be globe trotters. We are on a mission with God. I love it that our church got it this Christmas, this Christmas uh, Eve uh, gathering time whenever we collected an offering to stop human trafficking. Now, I think a year ago, we, we gathered fifty-six, fifty-three thousand $53,000 uh, to help... Uh, buy a bus for an orphanage in Zambia, which is pretty amazing, uh, in, in one or two nights. This year, $117,000 was collected. Let me just tell you a little bit more about that. It wasn't just that we collected $117,000, cool, which is way awesome, because you all did it. it. It was even beyond that. Let me think about this. It went a third of that, so $39,000 is going to go to help 14, 15 women who are caught up in a horrible 
trade of human sex trafficking in the nation of India. Now, what's really cool about this, let me go even further into the cool factor, is that not one dollar of that is going to go to support some great big organization in the States or something like that. That is 100% going to support. Not that, not that that's not important. We support the IMB as a, as a mother organization. We do it through our global missions offering. But he, here's the cool thing. 100% of that money is going to go to rescue those ladies. But here's another cool thing. I like coolness. All right? is not only are we going to rescue the ladies that want to be rescued and give them a new life, every single one of them will hear the name of Jesus in a nation that many people have never heard of Jesus. They're going to hear the name of Jesus. They're going to be given a copy of the Bible. They're going to be shared Jesus stories all the way through. It's going to be amazing. But it started right here, and it started with you. Because the name of Jesus is worth sharing. The name, and we're going to track it. We're going to hopefully come back next Christmas, and we're going to have photos, we're going to have stories. I don't know what we're going to have, but we're going to track it, and that's just an amazing thing. But you know, the job isn't done. We're ambassadors to the ends of the earth. According to the International Mission Board, again, there are 96,831,569 million people who have never heard the name of Jesus, who don't have a missionary, who don't have a church, who don't have a copy of the Bible, they don't have a Jesus film to watch when they get home, they don't have a radio station to learn about, they're absolutely living in the dark and not knowing the name of Jesus. That's huge. We have a job as God's ambassadors, God's partners, God's spokesmen to get His name to the ends of the earth. There's one statement that has convicted me for a long time, and that is no one should have the chance to hear the name of Christ twice until everyone has a chance to hear it once. That's just fair. And so I hope that you will not only worry about whether I'm taking God's name in vain, but I hope that you will look deeply into your own heart and say, where am I? Carrying the name, saying the name, and sharing the name of God with people who don't even know Him. Because at the end of the story, when it's all said and done, and I want to read one more verse to you here, one more little passage in Philippians. It says, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him a name, that's being Jesus, that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, the beauty of His name is everyone at the end of it all will bow their knee to the name of Jesus. I just hope they do that because they've heard of Him and they've given their life to Him. They know the power. They know the impact. They know the beauty of His name. Would you bow your heads with me? the name of God. Do you know it? Deeply, deeply, deeply do you know it? Are you saying it in a loving, conversational relationship with God? Are you wearing it out into the world with honor and integrity? 
sharing it with those who've never heard it. I hope it's life-changing in you. Father God, we bow before you. We ask that in no small way would we know the name of Christ today. If there's anybody, Lord, here today that doesn't know the name of Christ, I pray that you, you will, Lord, awaken their soul. You will help them to see, hear, know, experience the power of the name that's above every other name. Lord, I pray that. You just made in the spirit of prayer. I want to say, if you're here today and you don't know the name of God in a personal, intimate, life-changing kind of way, I would pray that you would you would come to him. Randy will be hanging out here at the front. Lori and I are at the front. Just, just come grab one of us. Just say, I, I want to know, experience, live in the name of God like I've never lived with him before. Father God, we give it to you. And we trust that we carry your name well. That we can walk tall. That we can walk proud. Not an arrogant pride, but proud. Because we bear the name that's above every other name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Would you sing? Would you reflect on his name?